Hello and welcome to Message Received. I'm your host for this episode, Tim Ferguson. And this is the first episode in our, our series two on collaboration. And we're going to delve into this topic with Gary Hawes, who's a corporate behavioral psychologist. And you are going to know exactly what that means by the time you finish listening to this and exactly why we all need one. Let's just face it. We're going to explore collaboration from a psychological point of view and really look at why are some organizations very good at uh, collaboration and where do others fall short and why might they be falling short and then very very helpfully what can you do about it and I think you're going to find the answers really refreshing. This is so much about being more human at work that if, if you're interested in, in that uh, angle you're going to you're going to love the conversation. So with no further ado let's dive into our conversation with corporate behavioral psychologist Gary Haas. Hey, Tim. Hey, it's a podcast, so people should pause for a moment and go and get a cup of tea because I'm English or uh, a coffee, right? Absolutely. Or I hope maybe they're already out for a walk or going for a run or, yeah, so getting away from the from the screen, that's for sure. So, and this is what a great segue into what we're about to talk about because we associate a lot of collaboration in the virtual and the hybrid world with being on a screen, talking in a, a Zoom or a Teams or some other platform, but maybe that's not the only way to do it. So Gary, I had the pleasure of working with you and seeing you in action as a facilitator in the pre-COVID-19 real world, as I don't know what we call it properly, and your ability to get people uh, talking and opening up and being more human in a, in a workshop or a brainstorm type environment is amazing. Um, we'd love to explore that in a remote working environment. So how do we remain human and how do we collaborate in in a remote situation? I'm going to zig in a slightly different direction for a minute because it's connected. So so you, you asked me about collaboration in a virtual and hybrid world. I don't think collaboration has been great probably for the last 15, 20 years, right? So I think there is a challenge on collaboration. Um, I was recently asked by um, somebody who works in a Swiss bank, um, is it just us or does collaboration only seem to happen in meetings? And that's, to me, hit the nail on the head. There's a, there is a, there's a number of factors happening in there. I uh, why what's why aren't people just picking up the phone or sending a message via their device um, to other people in the organization that might have some insight or experience or similar challenges why does it seem to go through have to go up before it can come down and why are leaders pulling their hairs out saying why aren't my people collaborating <laughs> and it, what's interesting is it wasn't a leader that asked that question it was somebody observing that from a non-leadership position collaboration is just not happening so that that does lead to me to we do need, all need to take some responsibility in that collaboration but i'm interested in the rules of engagement on it as well so I heard another story recently of somebody saying, yes, we uh, we wanted our people to collaborate. And then they started creating these design teams, which 
didn't involve the leadership team and it was doubling up the workload. So we had to knock that on the head. Well, what message does that give collaboration? It's like, okay, we have to go back to the method that we were doing, which was going up the chain before it can go down the chain. So therefore it's a leadership issue and leaders are, do you have too many meetings in your diary? Right. So, so many people do have too many meetings in the diary. And I, I think there's an, a sense that, well, it's the only way we can get people to collaborate. Maybe we need to stop having as many meetings and start having what I'm calling thinkings and doings and beings. Right. Maybe we need to call meetings something else. This is an alignment time so that you can go and collaborate and you're go you've got time in your diary and you're taking responsibility to have time in your diary to think to reflect on it and also some time to go well i'm sat here on my own who do i need to speak to that starts to cause a whole other level of collaboration it's really next it's a really interesting image because you're the image that you put into my mind about the sending things up to the to the senior leaders to then get disseminated back down it's um it's almost like a recycling wheel or something like this uh or it makes me think of irrigation or i i do my work i pump it up to the senior management if they like it they put it through the hose and spray it on everyone else they they absorb it bring it back into their work and then send it back up like i don't know if that image is making sense to people but um i i just i've never thought of it quite that way and then the meetings are almost some way to prove that we're collaborating quote unquote uh but a lot of us are just in the meeting hoping it'll be over so we can get back to our individual work that will then go up the chain to the senior management and get sprayed on everyone <laughs> something like that <laughs> So that's a real shift in leadership role that that I'm calling for there, really, um, because there is a requirement then to for leaders to rethink, well, what is my meeting time for? Um, and also, what is my role in enabling the collaboration rather than sort of forcing it? And, and it's a difficult one because it's a cultural shift. So if your culture has got used to that, push the water up, push the decisions up, um, check that it's okay to collaborate, make it happen. If, if I say to a lead, if, if I said to a leader, oh, I, I really could do with talking to Germany about this, then the leader's possibly thinking, well, they might think, well, why don't you just contact them? And what do they do next? They say, don't worry, I, I know head honcho at Germany, so I'll, I'll, I'll fix it because they've got to that, often got to that leadership role because they're really good at solving problems, dealing with challenges, and they're good at that networking. The shift from that would be to coach that person and say, so what do you need? Who can you reach out to? Who, how can you find that answer yourself? But that's a real change for most mm. large organizations. And that's why I call myself a corporate behavioral psychologist, because I'm really interested in the, the dynamics of a big organization. Lots of people feeling that they're the little people. So how do you connect to each other and how do you enable that? Is it OK if I pick up the phone and head uh, and phone the boss of the German division? Well, you can imagine that could cause all kinds of carnage 
what? You did what? You called such and such? And that's why the leadership teams need to work out their rules of engagement on collaboration as well. So maybe encouraging to contact a person at your same level or someone with a different job in the same a related area, build your network directly, get to know the different people in the organization for yourself versus uh, always going up through the chain of command. Is that yeah, I think so. It's it's a it's a new way of the of the creating a, a corporate network, but everybody needs to be okay with it. And also, if it doesn't go right, it needs to not make people feel like they've got to disappear back into their shell again. Okay, you, you're you're making me think. I just uh, learned something about uh, Darwin. That Darwin, we you may think of him as in a sense the the ultimate individual contributor, right? Here he is, smart man, thinking in his study, looking, observing worms at his backyard, and writing meticulous notes and and writing his fantastic books. His he had experts around the world on every conceivable aspect of botany and all the all the topics that were important to him. And he wrote letters and received letters on a just a constant basis. And this is collaborate non-meeting based collaboration with uh, through a network where sort of no one has to give you permission. You know, Darwin didn't have to get it cleared with his boss. Can I write? Can I write the the butterfly expert in uh, in in America? My question, like, no, you just do it, and the next thing you know, you've made yourself a center of collaborate, where kind of a hub, um, connecting all these different spokes, and now you've got something important happening, and and you, you know, you're not doing it alone. For, for those who are struggling in the remote world, so I think you painted a really nice picture of how and why we might want to shift things um, from everything being done at the top to more people more engaged in collaboration, not necessarily through uh, meetings in the in the I hate I, I don't even like to say it, but the lower part lower part of the hierarchy. Um, Anything around doing that in the remote work? Is it in the remote world? Is it is that a red herring? The fact that we're in a remote world, or are there real challenges that you that you see? So I do a lot of work with global teams. I've worked internationally with before. I would do what I did now. I worked internationally, and you can't just walk across the office. So if you're dealing with a corporate that's a global team, you've been working remotely for quite a while. So one of the things that I ask people to consider is what would you like people to do with the knowledge that you've gathered and the insights that you've gathered? You may not want to do a great big presentation. Maybe it's not, there's no platform for that, but would you quite like somebody to just pick up the phone? How would you feel if somebody picked up the phone? Can I just ask you about such and such? We work for the same company. We're on the same team. We're not against each other. Can I, I'm in, Indonesia, but we have a similar structure to our the way our business works to that you have in Holland. Can I ask you about how you overcame this problem? Give me five minutes. That doesn't need to go all the way up to the leadership to have that conversation. You might, as a result, say, actually, you're right. This is quite a there's quite a lot of other markets that need that could do with this learning. And then it might go up. But that little 
network across is where the power is. So if you've if you've got some information that you'd be quite happy for somebody to say, can I see if this is the same challenge we've got in our market or our business? Then do it to somebody else. It has a knock, it's a domino effect. If you start saying, I'm a bit stuck on something and I think you might be able to help me, can I ask you? And if you can, then help. And if you can't, then either say, mm, I don't know, don't try and fix it without knowing the answers. Or if you know somebody else that could help, then pass it on. That's what I mean by being human, right? If, you, yeah. if we lived in a tribe, we would go, you know, it might be a little bit of a schlep to go and walk to the other hut, but you'd still go and say, do you know anything about such and such? And they go, oh, no, I don't. But go and talk to the witch doctor. That that person knows something. You know, that 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 kind of feeling of using the community. We talk about culture, but it, there's a, it's the community of an organisation. I know we there's a lot of talk about community of practice, and I'm a bit worried that sort of makes community feel less of a human network, a human group. Right. Why Why do we need the of practice part? It's just a community. Based on that lovely image that you've painted of almost like a village type community and going from hut to hut to to get what you need or to see who could help you, what's the relationship between networking and collaboration? Because I was listening to you and I'm thinking, is that net, is that collaboration or is that networking or is it both? And how how are they connected? What are your thoughts on that? I know you're Canadian, not American, but networking, I think, has become a bit of a dirty word. Uh, and I did some work with um, uh, an American bank with their women's network um, a while ago, and I was asked to uh, put together a session um, on how to help women network better. So American men seem to be incredibly good at networking. Perhaps the American education system enables and supports it better. Women, American women are quite good at it. British and European um, men are fairly good at it. And women are rubbish, right? They don't like it. They think it's all about trying to get something from somebody else. So there's a long-winded way to say that I think it is, they're maybe not that different, but it's become something else. So another way to look at collaboration is what can I give? so that I can sometimes get. And I, I've used this for a little while, I give to get. So um, two times out of 10, I get something back, which is a lot better than zero times out of 10. So if you give information to other people, if you support other people, if somebody contacts you, then give a little bit of time, because at least two times out of 10, when you ask for something else back, you will get it. But if nobody's giving, that two out of 10 won't happen. That's so interesting. So if you want to be, um, if you want to collaborate more effectively, give a lot, be be known as a giver of information, of resources, of ideas, of your of, of your time, and you will you will get in return. And that's, that's how I net. And that's how I network, right? So if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, I try and enable people to reconnect and I will do introductions and I'll make things happen because I'm giving on the understanding that I get. So it's not pure altruism. So so my background in uh, behavioral science or behavioral psychology is about the evolution of behavior and intelligence in humans and animals. And altruism is one of those big things that you study. Is it a thing? And 
generally no. We, we all are in it for something for us. So if you start seeing network is not all about you, it, it is the more you give, you give a little bit, you get a little bit back, then we all benefit ultimately. And I think this, for me, this is where shared purpose or shared mission comes in. So when we talk about collaboration and it's really clear, okay, we are all working together to make a film, let's say. We're all here to produce a great film. That's the goal. And the reason I'm asking for something or the reason I'm giving something, the reason I'm reaching out and collaborating, we do have this shared what's in it for me or this shared, what was your question from earlier in the discussion? Uh, why, why should they care about this? We yeah. all have an actually a, a shared answer to that question. And I think if a leader, if, if leadership doesn't provide those, uh, that sense of common purpose, well, why should we collaborate? Are we, are so we, from, I, are we even on the same team, you know? So when I work with a business, I do look at their purpose statement. Some, they have various forms of it. And it's something that I, it becomes a little bit of a bee in my bonnet because I know how much work it, it takes to get to an agreed purpose or mission or value statement. And um, before long, it becomes wallpaper. And what's interesting is how much it's, be, it's sat in the leadership space and not become real and tangible for everybody else. So that is one of the things that I do get involved in. It's one of my, do people really care? Why is that important? I know how much work it took to get to it. Have you really, do you really live and breathe it? Does everybody really live and breathe it? Does it change anything? Does it, is it, are you derailing it by some of the stuff that you're doing that means it means nothing anymore? Yeah, and I, I think that, that resonates with me greatly. We sometimes talk with leaders about big P versus small P purpose or long-term purpose versus daily purpose. And to say, okay, well, if our maybe our, our purpose is to transform the lives of patients, let's say, okay, yes, great, but it's Tuesday and I, I need to feel passionate about what I'm doing on this specific task. And it's a little too much cognitive dissonance to see to see the relationship between what I'm doing today and this, the grand purpose. So it's like, well, what is my purpose today? And I think it's fine that those are not exactly the same thing. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, you, you've seen me in action. You know I love an objective. So I love a project to have its objectives. And I look at those from a no feel do point of view. And I think part of the responsibility we each have to take as humans is what are our objectives? What, are, what is our plan? What, is our, what are our parameters? So if an organization's really using a purpose-led approach, then it needs to have meaning to everybody, but also you need to interpret it. But on a daily basis, well, I said but, and on a daily basis, how is how does that look? Are, are you is your diary full of stuff that has no relation to what you understand are your objectives, your plan or your parameters of, of what your what the higher purpose is? And I'd like people to feel empowered to flag it if they're not. But that's a whole other discussion. Well, it might it might also help a lot with when someone um is coming to me with a request 
So we're, we've been told we need to collaborate. So, oh, I'll go ask Tim if he, that's what we've been told to do, right? So someone comes to me and says, hey, uh, you know, can you help me with this? Or do, do you have any ideas of, about this? And I don't see the relationship between what I'm being asked and the bigger, higher, more important purpose. I might feel more than justified in shutting that down and saying, you know what, I'm really sorry, I can't help you because I feel like I'm being taken off in a direction that, that you know, isn't going to be helpful to us overall. So if you have divisions, for instance, if each division in a company sees itself as having its own independent, separate, super important purpose, how can you expect cross-division collaboration? It would almost be, um, it would almost be insubordination to my my division's goal to waste time supporting a, a completely unrelated goal something like this you're you're, you're making me feel like uh, if if you had to, to give a model of collaboration shared purpose might be at the center of it mm. you asked me about tips and tricks and how yes. to be more human and I am a reflector, so it's interesting to be asked. The interesting thing about a podcast is it's sort of shoot from the hip at the moment, and I do like to go away and think about things. Um, one of the things that is starting to bubble up for me is a reminder to love the tech rather than hate the tech. Um, I've been using video calling for over a decade, partly because I have a a child and family in New Zealand and so a phone call is a disaster for a child when you put a phone next to a kid's a young kid's head they just go silent or occasionally they nod which is not particularly useful on a telephone and and Skype at its time now all the other mediums that we've got Zoom and and uh, Teams enables and, and FaceTime enables us to have a different level of human connection. And we're being given lots of really useful clues that people aren't seeing. So they're seeing, it's very easy to, to flip into, I'm looking, I'm staring at a metal box, which we sort of are, right? Well, we are staring at a metal box. But in that image is, I can see you nodding. I can, I'm getting some cues. I can get a reaction. I can see whether you're looking happy or exhausted or whether you're agreeing or, or whether maybe you need time to think. And you don't, and, and that, there's a whole, there is a, so sometimes I hear people say, the problem with tech is that you don't get the, the non-verbal clues that you'd get if we were sat together. They're there, they are there. But it is about connecting to the human that you're seeing, not the flat screen. And, and I've seen you do this in remote meetings, you animate people. You literally animate them. Can you share for our listeners a few tips and tricks around that? They're, they're, I know you, you want to spending more time collaborating outside of meetings, but here we're in a meeting and we want it to be collaborative. As a, as a professional facilitator um, or someone who uses facilitation for their profession, what guidance would you give uh, people based on your experience? Don't be afraid to laugh. Laughter is a very human 
connection, smiling and laughing, laughing makes a big difference. So if you can find some humour and, and before you dive into the content of your session, I sort of kind of don't want to call it a meeting because we should really define what that time is for. Um, have a moment to turn the camera around, see what's outside your window, have something that enables you to be a human. I, I don't have anything behind me at the moment, but if you if you do have a a picture of your family, be willing to talk about it. In fact, sometimes it's a handy thing to have as a as a tool. That's a that human connection will enable you to move on from a meeting to we're here together and we're working on something. Um, what else do I do? I really I, I think I look more than others. So I'm looking for the people that are, there's always the happy, smiley, happy, engaged people. Love them. People that nod. You know, when you're doing a big presentation in a, in a room and there's a few nodders and, and you've got to love them because they really help. There's also those that are deep reflectors and they are perhaps using quite a stern look on their face, but they're processing deeply. And I, I look out for them on a, on a screen of a grid of people and I don't leap on them because I know that they're processing, but I will, I might tell them that I'm, I'd like to come to you because I th think you're thinking quite deeply and I'll come back to you. And it's really trying to see what's possibly going on for different people. And don't be afraid to ask, say, I kind of check you're all right. Um, it's funny, it's a really hard thing because some of it is, I think, intuitive for me. And, and you know, the best maths teachers are those that struggle with some struggle with the maths. And I think for me, it, it comes quite naturally to see the human in, in the box of on the screen or to see the humans around a, a table. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask that question. Well, I, th I love your answer. And it, you made me think uh, you were talking earlier about leaders and I think one thing leaders can do in a remote setting is to be that person nodding and actively listening whilst the team is speaking. I, I had a client years ago who was a genius for this. He was a vice president of marketing and we'd have a you know three-day marketing conference type of thing or a sales conference where the marketers are presenting to the salespeople. And uh, young, well, he would do it for all of them. But you know, you imagine the the product manager, the the junior brand leader, giving their first presentation to a room filled with salespeople, and this could be pretty stressful. So who's in the front row, nodding and taking notes? This his name was Guy, um, and I, I I observed this in in breakout room after breakout room after breakout room. He was always he's always there, always in the front row, always actively listening. You know, he's not in the black in the back of the room uh, on his BlackBerry. And I think that that dates the, this experience I had with Guy, I suppose. But I think that's the same in the remote setting. Is really help people by demonstrating your interest and you I think you do that as a facilitator you're always bringing your energy to the to the camera any tips around that how, how do you how do you show up on camera with so much energy well the next thing we're all going to be talking about is hybrid we already are sure and, and so it's it's even more elevated because if you are on the leadership table not always a good idea but sometimes it's handy in a in a live setting 
So you've got some of your team there in person. You're maybe sat in round tables and you've got a, a, a group of people together. You're going to be on camera as well. Because if you're the remote team, uh, part of the remote part of the hybrid experience, then you're going to have different views of the space than the people that are maybe sat on the, the round tables. And one of the cameras could well be on you as or could be you as any part of it. So that look of being engaged and remembering where the camera is, is important. Um, some of the uh, tech we use puts a little uh, puts us a little strip at the bottom of the shared uh, PowerPoint slide or the, the shared content, and that makes us all drop our eyes down. So you always have to remember where the camera is in, in other words, where everybody is. Um, and in hybrid, we're going to have to remind everybody to look up to look through the camera because that's where some half, maybe the majority of your audience is. And you may, you're making me think of it at a sporting event with the jumbotron, right? And all of a sudden, like you're one of 60,000 fans and all of a sudden the camera's on you in close up. Hey, guess what? You're on jumbotron, man. Everybody, and that's what it will be like in, uh, in these hybrid events. I think you're absolutely right. Something that's making me giggle in my, in my, in a head about um, how does it work? Do you remember in the film Sixth Sense, there is the I see dead people? Yes. Well, when I'm doing a meeting, I see people. <laughs> Actually, in some remote meetings, I do see dead people, I feel. It's like, hey, wake up, <laughs> you know? Well, although I can't blame them because they're, they're, on the, they're on 12 hours a day. And maybe I'll make this my second last question. Um, you said earlier in the conversation, and I just want to pull it back out because it's such an interesting way of uh, conceptualizing it. You said, I would like us to have fewer meetings and more thinkings, like think time somehow. So how do, so for people who are listening right now who are on back-to-back -back video calls 12 hours a day, literally 12 hours a day, some of, some of the people I've been speaking to, how can you get thinking time into your schedule in a way that your colleagues will not override it and destroy it for you. Any tips on that? So the, oh, there's a few things to unpack. So the first thing is if your organization has, if you're an organization that has 12 hours of meetings, which I know is happening, then, and you're, and if you're a, a leader or somebody with responsibility in that organization, then stop, have a look what's going on. Why are you having so many meetings? And when is the work being done? That's my first thing, right? And it maybe connects to why are we not collaborating? When is there time to collaborate? And maybe you're enabling that sense of we only connect when big boss person organizes a meeting. The next thing is that when I've got busy on projects, I will block out time in my diary that I will put thinking time. And I've done this for years, not just recently, but for years, time when I think. And I, they are movable-ish, but somebody has to ask, somebody has to ask, if somebody puts something in it, then I, I explain why I can and can't move or why oh, I'll try and shift the meeting to either end of my thinking time. Um, think people have to say no more and part of that so one of, one of somebody that I'm coaching at the moment their diaries like this and 
and meetings are being they're, stu- they're even double, triple booked at times. Um, and so how do you that's not possible. Cloning hasn't been invented to that standard yet. So how do we how do you deal with that? So write everything on your plate in a long list. Give everything a score. Ten's not a big enough number. So go for 20 on how important everything everything is that you're doing use your calendar for the next week month to line it up and give it a score anything that is have a look at how many things is everything that is 14 and below draw a line and you've got to either say no or delegate it somebody in somebody else will be excited to have that responsibility or delay it And you might actually have time to clear the really important stuff and have time to think, have time to develop your time to develop your strategy, have time to be yourself and do some exercise. And when you're doing some exercise, you might find that the challenges that you're dealing with start to shape up because the brain's quite clever. It carries on when you're not sat staring at a screen thinking, where is the answer? Yes. Yes, I think it was uh, Nietzsche, one of the philosophers who, um, or it was maybe Jean-Jacques Rousseau, maybe both of them, who would have um, walks to think through a problem, a question that they were dealing with. And the more challenging the question, the longer the walk. And just such a great way to think about it. Hey, if you've got a really significant challenge that you need to tackle, Go for a long walk. That's what I did this morning. Okay. This this morning, I was like, I really have got to get my head into something. So I rather, I I might just go and sit at my computer and see if I can work it out. No, 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 no. Take some of my own medicine. And it's a beautiful low tide in Brighton at the moment. And I ran along the seafront. And funny enough, things started to fall into place. Funny, eh? So last question. This podcast is called Message Received. Yeah. What's your takeaway message for our audience if you could just leave them with one thought around collaboration and being more human what would you leave them with there's a thing you can stretch your arms out either side and put one on the shoulder and one on the other shoulder and give yourself a hug right that's the first thing i would do you're doing the best you can all right it's okay so that's my first thing um it's an odd maybe it's an odd one maybe it's not what you're expecting um i'm doing it right i'm doing it right now (laughs) literally doing it right now that's great i'm left with give to get which is would you mind if somebody contacted you out of the blue within your organization and asked can i just pick your brains for a minute if you say yes to that you will help that person and it also might make you feel "Hmm, that was quite interesting and I might do that for a challenge that I've got. So that is a revolution for a lot of organizations. And it gives you a human connection to people all over the world. I am the type of person that if some, if I'm dealing with a call center that's clearly not local, I will talk to that person and ask them what the weather's like and how they're doing. And that human connection enables a whole different level of human collaboration. Gary, I can't think of better words to uh, close our discussion on. 
I think everyone listening is going to go away, one, taking better care of themselves, giving themselves that hug, two, recognizing, reminding themselves that they are human and all the needs that a human has, they have too. So they better not be on those 12-hour conference calls. Um, I, what I really love is your, is your challenge to leaders that, hey, if, you're, if people are in non-collaborative-based meetings, morning till night when is the work getting done and what's what are you going to do about that and this just this notion that if we if we if if we're not if we're willing to give we we can also be feel good about getting and yeah let's let's build those networks and in the most positive sense through collaboration and that, that's what i've taken away from this conversation i thank you so much for joining us it was a lot of fun having a chat. Thank you for listening. If you loved this episode of Message Received, please follow and come back for the next episode, how an HR expert approaches collaboration, communication, and employee engagement with myself, Tim Ferguson, and special guest, Rocky Esguera. <laughs>